This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha and Caverns deep below the metro area, it is episode 679, the penultimate episode before our special anniversary 680th edition of the Two-Headed Nerd comic book podcast. I am your head number one. My name is Matt Baum, and King, Queen, makes no difference to me. They all made their money on the backs of underprivileged victims of colonialism. Abolish the monarchy, says this punk rocker. I'm your head number two, the internet's Joe Patrick, but it's still okay to like the queen on Netflix, right? Oh yeah, that show rules. No, it's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this week, we're back to reviewing eight new comics from last week and this week's new comic book days, and then we'll hit you with our must-read picks for next week. After that, you'll get a sneak peek of our THN Extra we host for our loyal patrons over at Patreon.com, but first, we gotta get through all the free shit we give away, and it starts... With review time in the cigarette! As usual, we're covering two weeks worth of new comics, starting with last Wednesday, September 7th, and then we'll jump to this week, September 14th, that is today. Our pile is a wild one for sure. This one has everything, including all the Avengers getting outed. I don't know if that's what that title means. Star Trek. That's with what I took away from it. <laughs> Again, I'm not sure that's what's going on in that comic. The return of the kind of sort of Midnight Suns, Kevin Smith's butt jokes. And it all starts with a brand new Alien series. Just a lot of butt stuff going on in this. There is a lot of butt stuff in this one. Not in this Alien issue, though. This is Alien, number one from Marvel. It's $3.99. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. We like to refer to him as PKJ around here, so we sound like cool kids. With art by Julius Ota. Here is your solicit. Philip Kennedy Johnson and Julius Oda launch a new alien epic man machine and the most terrifying creature in the universe. It's an express elevator to hell and you're going to want to get on it. It's a small colony of synths have settled in a secret backwater moon. When a company of United System soldiers come to them for help, retrieving biotechnology on a hostile planet that could be the key to saving humanity, the synths must decide whether the prospect of peace between man and machine is worth the risk of betrayal. Coming up with a script for a new alien story has got to be tough. We know eventually everything will devolve to running, screaming, scary alien screaming, acidic blood melting people, you know, aliens. Now, PKJ is back with a new alien number one that picks up right after his last series. Last time, it was aliens versus religious zealot terrorists, and this time, they're fighting Cyberforce. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> well, souped up replicants anyway. And they haven't started fighting just yet. The first issue sets up the core group of super replicants who are way more powerful than the Bishop model I remember. They can flip through. one of them flying? Yeah, they can like flip through the air. They can rip heads like, off soldiers. One of soldiers. them looked like was literally flying like Superman. It kind of looked like it. I think they just jumped really far Hulk style kind of right, thing. All right, maybe. Right? It could be. Joe, the important part is they just want to be a family, like the Fast and the Furious. It's an yeah. interesting take and inches Marvel closer to the aliens versus superheroes, even if it's just good looking robot super peeps. Otis are a, a family of robots that sometimes steals DVD players. Yeah, I guess. 
Oda's art is incredible, though. His alien is terrifying. The gore he illustrates is disturbing and amazing at the same time. His marines looked a little halo to me, but still very cool. This is an incredible looking comic, but something about the story doesn't have me clamoring for the next issue. The setup is fine. And while I know I keep making fun of Marvel and, and praising them at the same time for not making the aliens fight the Avengers just yet, but this kind of felt like trying to have their cake and eat it too. Maybe I'll care more for the replicants as the story goes on, but there wasn't much in this first issue to make me root for Cyberforce, you know? Like, I, I, I'm giving it a skim it. Maybe I just don't they're know them well enough yet. They're the Steel Team, Matt. Come on. They're oh, the Steel, steel team. team. Sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. It's Steel Team 6. Steel, steel Team 6, yes. <laughs> oh, you're so uh, funny. Look at you go. <laughs> I am. You know what? I'm my own biggest fan and someone's got to be. Um, you know, I I thought this was I thought this was good, but like I didn't read the last one, so I was just like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Whatever. Uh, these the these were clearly like all bishops, right, or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean, they don't really and, show us that until it happens. Yeah. And, and there was like a thing where they're like, yeah, we're living on this planet because it's got a toxic atmosphere, toxic so people atmosphere, don't come here. Right. But when the Marines come in wearing gas masks, one of them's like, "Don't shoot! I'm a human." And shouldn't they have been like, no, you're not. It's like toxic. Atmosphere. Well, but they were inside the bunker or whatever. So, you know, all you right. Can, so maybe there's air. Make there. that leap, I all guess. Right, all right. But I mean, oh, but also you're storming a compound full of enemy combatants and you find somebody cowering on the ground. Your first thing, instinct isn't going to think logically about the atmosphere. Yeah, I, probably. I, well, I, I don't know. I would hope these guys are. They are wearing gas masks. I know <laughs> they're wearing halo suits, Matt. I don't know. Um, they're all dressed like Master Chief. Um, yeah, like, but I thought the art was really good. Um, I was actually kind of um, like not shocked in a bad way, but like startled by the by the gore. Uh, I was like, oh, whoa. Like, like they went for it. I mean, it's alien. Um, they went for it in the last series no, too. I, I get it, but like, it's Marvel, right? You know, I just was like, oh man, all right. Uh, so good on them for that. Like, I, I wasn't. Um, I guess I was expecting it to be a little bit closer to the PG thirteen side of things, but this no, is, no. It's Marvel um, for grownups. Sure. Um, I'm giving it a skim. It I, personally, I'm giving it a skim. It only because I didn't read the first series or the previous series, and um, it seems you know, pretty important that you have done that. I don't, I mean, yes and no. I read the previous series. I could see how you'd be okay here. Cause they set everything up. They tell you exactly what's going on. And, and the big I mean, twist they, here is like the replicants. They're all new. They weren't in the previous one. There were some replicants around, but not necessarily these guys, whatever the story is with them getting screwed over by the government. We haven't seen it yet. So it's something that like they're okay, talking well, about. The the uh, there's a little text piece in the end that says that this follows directly after the last one. So but, that's that's what I read into it. Yeah. So the um, last one was where we saw like these religious zealots that were terrorists that took over because they wanted to stop the bioweapons and they accidentally released the bioweapons, which were the aliens. Oh, that was something I did find interesting because at the beginning there's a timeline. Yeah. And I guess I didn't I, I, I knew it kind of had to it, it must have been so. But it was interesting to see it like codified, like in writing that um, it's been a hundred years almost since. Yeah. Well, and the, the, the timeline shows like movie one, movie two, movie three, I think movie four is mentioned and then comic book because they mentioned like the whole thing with like 
the human alien hybrid gets loose. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, they, it's a timeline. They, they don't specifically link them to to movies, but like they, but you can t- like if you've seen the movies, you yeah, can figure the, it out. The timeline but is like talking they, about but the it's, movies. It's specifically like yeah, here and uh, you know, uh, twenty one whatever the Nostromo distress call, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, then it's like, PS, know. nothing happened to dark horse. Screw you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm giving this a skim it just because I think that you might, you might benefit from checking out the previous stuff, at least the Philip Kennedy Johnson stuff. Um, but I thought this was pretty decent, you know, like much like the predator one. Um, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. The quality is there. I just yeah. I'm starting to wonder if maybe it's when we talk about those things that we have trouble translating from screen to comics and vice versa from comics to screen. There's things that work and there's things that are kind of tough, like car chases, for example, maybe sure. aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's a little tougher on the page, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I like my aliens cute and cuddly, Matt, which is why my first review is of last line number one from Aftershock Comics. You'll find no lizard, uh, spiky, bone-faced yeah, acid blood. You were more of a here. Mac and me kind of guy than an alien I'm guy. more of a, like, uh, I'm more of a man-shaped puppy dog kind of guy. Gross. Which is what we get here in last line number one from Aftershock. That's a gross written by way Richard to talk He's a man-shaped puppy dog. I, yeah, I, mean, I agree. I just, that's gross when he's saying it out loud. <laughs> don't think about it. The art is by Jose Holder. Here's your solicit. Sally Hazard just had the worst day of her life while on a usual shift as a driver for the tube. That's the subway to you and me. The unthinkable, pardon me, to us Americans. I yeah. forget that we have a lot of international easy, listeners. Easy, Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to be so jingoistic. The uh, unthinkable happened when a man is pushed in front of her train and killed. But there's something strange here. Sally swears the man was pushed, but her supervisors, witnesses, and the CCTV footage all show the man falling on his own. Sally cannot let this go. And her investigation into the murder introduces her to an MI6 agent named Edward Tarn, also curious about the so-called accident. Together... Sally and Ed discover an off-world explanation for the assassination, plus an alien invasion, and the craziest plot twist of all, an interplanetary travel system buried deeply beneath the London Underground. I'm not sure that last part happened in this comic. Uh, I think they hinted, I think we get to it. Yeah, I, think I, think we're, they, I think we'll get to it. I think they're hinting toward it in this yeah. comic. All right. Um, I honestly can't really get too much more into the story of Last Line Number One without just listing spoilers, because the solicit does it all for you. Yeah. It's literally the entire uh, plot of this first issue. Um, minus the mention of the plucky younger brother who is also obsessed with conspiracy theories. This comic is like an episode of doctor who on steroids, which tracks since writer Richard Dinnick has also worked on uh, doctor who comics. Unfortunately, there's so much running around and reacting to things like dog faced alien assassins that there's no real time to get invested in the characters or the plot. There's clearly a long-running government conspiracy afoot, but we only get the barest glimpse of it in the main story, with much of that setup relegated to the back matter. Jose Holder's art is wild. It's nicely detailed, it's full of character, but it is also plagued by a lot of real storytelling problems, and a tendency to lean heavily on the shadows, filling in gaps where they're not really called for, almost as though you didn't want to draw that thing. Uh, I don't know if that's true or not, because otherwise the book's got a ton of detail in it. 
Last line number one is a collection of Doctor Who tropes barely strung together by some unfortunately dodgy art. I'm giving it a leave it. It just I was excited. I thought it sounded like it had promise, but it didn't do anything for me. Yeah, it, they could have. Like, taken, I don't want to. I don't care to go back. I, I'm kind of with you. They could have taken like 10 things out of this story and it'd be plenty busy. You know, it, it, they just yeah. kept hitting you with stuff and it almost felt like. We've got too many ideas and we don't know what to do with them and they're just going to keep coming, you know, and the art didn't help because the art was also sort of like style flash, style flash. Whoa, these ideas like slow down. <laughs> Let's just dial it yes. back a little bit. And there's probably a good story here. There's just too much going on. And, it, and it's so much that halfway through, I'm with you. I just stopped caring. I'm like, too much. Yeah, I, I, I mean, can't the, follow. I don't care. At least with Doctor Who you've got the benefit of the, uh, the long running hook, right? You sure. know who the doctor is, Yeah, you know, his deal, you know, that he's got a companion and whatever episode, you know, whatever sep- single episode hijinks he gets into, you are at least invested halfway already. Right. With this, there's nothing to get invested in. Yeah. It, it's too bad. I, I, I was going to give it a skim it because I think some of the art is very good. This is a very talented artist and I don't, I agree. I don't know if the digital coloring got away from them and some things it's just got blacked out or something, but no. it looks like they just That's, didn't no. draw certain things. And it, like no. the, bl- the blacks are all done together. It's so one thing to black, do a yeah. silhouette. It's another thing to completely black something out. <laughs> and, and it's odd. When it's, and it's like, uh, I understand uh, he's, a, he's a shady government agent, right? This sure. Karn. Sure. Why is he covered in shadow no matter what room he's in? Yeah, like it's just stop it. Like I don't and I don't think it's on purpose. It's it just and also there's a lot of like weird cropping issues, like uh layout problems, like cropping issues. It's Yeah, and characters got, that look like they're problems. floating and it, yeah, it it was too much. I'm giving it a Let's take a break from Alien Puppy Dogs and talk about the Boogeyman in Boogeyman number one from Ablaze. It's $3.99. It was written by Mathieu Salvia with art by Jet. Here's your solicit. It's a D Jet, but we'll get to that. Passionate about reading, Elliot has always had a preference for the stories of boogeymen, those monstrous creatures which at night hide in the shadows or under the bed to frighten little children. He can't imagine how much. They will change his life. Witnessing the bloody murder of his parents, he will discover that in reality, boogeymen do indeed exist and very precise codes govern their existence. When one of the most powerful boogeymen, Father Death, decides to protect him, Elliot finds himself plunged into a terrible conflict at the heart of a universe as terrifying as it is fascinating. On a dark and stormy night, Elliot's destiny will be fulfilled. This is one of those comics where I urge you and I know I just did it, don't read the solicit first because it's going to ruin some really good surprises. Maybe you should have given a spoiler alert. Yeah, I know. I probably should have. Being a huge horror nerd, I love monsters. I love demons, witches, zombies, and of course, comics about all of the above. You'll notice I did not list the boogeyman. He is not on that list. Although technically, I suppose he is a monster. Salvia's story at first looks very straight ahead. Kid swears there's a monster in his house. Parents don't believe him. And then spooky reveal. There is a monster in the house, but that's just where the story begins. There's a twist that hits about halfway through the book that has me adding the boogeyman 
to my list of creatures I care about. As good as a script is, it's the art that really grabbed me from page one. Jet is not a name I was familiar with. His real name is Robert DeJet Stefane, or Jet. I don't know there's a D in there. He grew up mimicking the art style of his favorite cartoons and later on manga. All that practice paid off because his style is really amazing in its scope and point of view. You can see the animator in him working his paneling and his creepy character designs and almost black and white color palette create just a wonderful spooky feel for this book. Boogeyman was an unexpected gem that adds a compelling twist to this type of monster under the bed mythos that I plan on checking out from here on out. Well done, gentlemen. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, I really liked this. Um, I didn't I didn't uh, know anything about it going in. I didn't read the solicit going in. There's something about Father Death that I guess I, I, I should have seen coming but didn't. Um, and so I, I, I liked that aspect of it. Um, I like the idea that there's this kind of hierarchy or, or underground society. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, please don't look this up. Please don't look this movie up. It's because it's a nightmare. But in the 80s or early, early 90s, there was a Fred Savage, Howie Mandel movie called Little Monsters. God, this movie's terrible. Are you saying it was scary? Uh, no, okay. I'm saying Good. that like there was this whole like mo- like monster under the bed society, right? The, right. Like uh, kind of like Monsters Inc., right? You know that sort of thing where it's where it's like, oh yeah, the closet or under the bed or whatever is actually a portal to this place where right. there's this society of of monstrous beings with rules and and politics and whatever and that's kind of what's going on here except you know there's not really any portals involved it doesn't seem like sure um the art is tremendous uh something i always feel like i can notice and i don't know if i'm right but based on the guy's name i think i probably am right but i always feel like i can notice when something's been translated yeah because the um the cadence of the english is a little um it's a little less casual or differently casual than like you and I might speak to one another. You know what else gives uh, it away? A blaze is a European comic book label. Well, and I didn't know if that was a blazes deal or not, but yeah. if they like, if it's like Titan, right. Where they're yeah. just putting out a lot of translated European comics. But yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. Like the translation is really well done. Um, the, the art is so good. Yeah. Um, and I'm just calling this guy DJ ET um, because it amuses me. And so, uh, and that's in quotes. So it's like a nickname. Yeah. DJ ET. Wicka, wicka, whoop. Uh, All right. I liked it a lot. It's a, it's a buy it from me again. Like you said, a, a, a totally, uh, out of nowhere surprise. I didn't know anything about it. Glad I read it. It's almost spooky season. Got to start reading spooky comics, right? Heck yeah, dude. I read some spooky stuff this week and I don't just mean my next review. <laughs> Ah, it's all out Avengers number one. Woo. I, I uh, need a like a. <laughs> yeah, a sli- slide whistle. Whoop. I was thinking of the trombone, uh, but you know, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, or uh, the Price is Right fail horn. Like, no, I just mean like the, the man, you know, the. Uh, like they do for like jokes. Okay. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. Uh, this is from Marvel Comics. It's written by Derek Landy. With art by Greg Land. I'm sorry, Derek. I have a really hard time not calling you Derek Landry, but I'm trying my best. You can't put Landy and Land that close together. I'm sorry. Landy Land. I know. know. Come on, guys. Uh, Here's your solicit. Introducing the all-new Avengers series that starts in the middle of the explosive action and races to a shocking climax! Exclamation point. 
An alien attack, a missing piece of wormhole tech, a city warped, its citizens transformed into hideous creatures, loyal to an empress from the far side of the universe, and a certain Captain Marvel looking to her fellow Avengers with murderous intent. Plunge into the action and take a deep breath because you will not be allowed up for air as a thrilling new series kicks off in the strongest, strangest way possible. I'll give them strangest. We'll see about that. I'll give them strangest. <laughs> Do you like your stories with a clear beginning, middle, and end? Typically. Too bad. All Out Avengers starts as the solicit claims in the middle of the action uh, in the, uh, you know, in the theater world. We call that in media res, or I guess they call that, they call that in a lot of different storytelling uh, mediums. I was into the idea, which to me harkened back uh, to the notion that any comic could be someone's first. Like if you were picking this up off the spinner rack at the quick shop on uh, 48th and Q in 1989, you'd, you'd be like, well, what's going on with this bone blazing crazy lady with the bone spurs. Derek Landy's story stars a familiar assortment of characters, which helps ease you into the action. The dialogue's clever enough. And there's a mysterious narrator that's almost dictating the events as they happen. And kind of changing his uh, like changing directions midstream, which is an interesting wrinkle. I feel like most of the criticisms of Greg Land's art have been done to death these days. And yeah, most of them are in evidence here. Oh, yeah. Uh, for ev for every uh, for every one panel of dynamic action. And there are some. There are three that feel flat and lifeless. The majority of the action seems still almost as though it were posed like a mannequin or traced from a Sears catalog. Yeah. It's often said we're back to that. Um, <laughs> and the less said about the ridiculous hair in this issue, the better. What is going on with the hairdos in this comic? Yeah. I would describe Thor as he is homo erotic. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But that's not a descriptor of his hair, though. Yes, it, it is, Joe. <laughs> I mean, maybe I need to watch more gay pornography. I don't know. All Out Avengers number one is a clever idea that fails to live up to its promise. I couldn't help but wonder what a stronger, more exciting artist could have brought to the table. Now, to compare it to its sister comic, I guess you could say, Nonstop Spider-Man, which we briefly talked about, mm -hmm. um, which we got a handful of issues of and then it went away. Um, it was supposed to be the same idea, and I did not really know that. Uh, it was supposed to be this a similar idea where it's like, jump into the story in midstream, catch up as you go, and let the writer fill in the pieces for you. And that was good because it was by Joe Kelly right. and Chris Bacalo. And this is okay because it's by a decent writer and a bad artist. <laughs> and so I'm giving this a skim it because I like the idea of it. I just wish somebody else had drawn it. So you mentioned during your review how that, that theory of any comic can be someone's first. And if yeah. you're just picking it up off the spinner rack, it might be their first comic. If I'm a kid that walks up and picks this off the spinner rack and opens it up, I go, oh, shit. I guess I missed a few issues. I'm going to put this one back and then I'm going to find something else that starts with the beginning or maybe sets up what's going on, at least if it's not the beginning. And I'm not saying there aren't creative ways to do that. I agree. Nonstop Spider-Man was a good exercise for that character. And maybe it's because it's just one character. Maybe it doesn't mm. work as well with 
five or six Avengers, two of which are not even on the team right now in this book. So I don't know. It's kind of an evergreen Avengers, you might say. I guess it is. And it's so evergreen that it doesn't let you know what's happening. (laughs) Wait, who's not, wait, who's not on the team? Spider-Woman's not on the team currently. Oh, Spider-Woman and Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Spider-Woman and Spider-Man, which is fine. I'm okay with that, you know, but there's just no setup at all. The art isn't great. I hated the narration. I could, I don't know what's going on with it, but it's like Captain America comes in to do something. And the narrator goes, don't worry. Cap's here. Cap's cool. I'm like, what are we, what is this? Is but this I mean, that's kid? kind of the point though, right? That's the point of the narration is for you to go, what is going on? With if it turns out to be a little kid, fine. If it doesn't, I don't know what's going on, but you know I, what? I guess I don't remember him saying Cap's cool. I'm not picking the next one up. This did nothing for me. Kind of upset me, to be honest. I'm giving this a leave it. I think it's a failed experiment. That's fair. Let's jump to this week, 914, and talk about The Midnight Suns, number one, from Marvel 399. It's written by Ethan Sachs with art by Luigi Zagaria. You remember The Midnight Suns, Vengeance, and Blade, and Ghost Rider. Well, one of them is here. Rise of the Midnight Suns, a dark prophecy and apocalyptic new villains with horrifying powers. I mean, okay. The likes of which Earth (laughs) has never faced before ordains Uh a team of Midnight Suns to rise and tear bleep up. They did some Grolix there, so I'll just do a bleep. Yeah, they did. Starring your favorite Midnight Suns, Magic, Wolverine, Blade, Spirit Rider, and Nico Minoru. But what? does this new threat have to do with the Sorcerer Supreme's past? And why is Strange Academy student Zoe Laveau number one on the Suns list? You'll notice that solicit only mentions <sighs> one of the original Midnight Suns, Blade, and then hey. members of both the X-Men and the teaching staff at the Strange Academy. Oh, and Spirit Rider, the female Native American ghostwriter from Robbie Thompson's run, we just mentioned that she did not pop up in the recent Ghostwriter Vengeance Forever that featured every other Ghostwriter for the last 50 years. So maybe they were okay, saving but- it for this. So why is this team called Midnight Suns? Maybe it's because there's a new video game that features some of is. these characters in this comic. I'm just saying, all right? Conspiracy talking here. The story was fine. Centers around two students I really like in the Strange Academy book, but it doesn't have the same charm as Strange Academy, and the other featured characters feel pretty tacked on. They all get together because of a vision on a fairly generic dark spirit tied to one of the students who's going to bring about some type of fairly generic dark apocalypse that we'll never hear about again outside of this mini. The artist, solid, seemed very bright and cartoony for a book about dark prophecies and apocalyptic new villains called Midnight Suns. All in all, this felt like a video game tie-in, trying to pretend to be in Marvel continuity. And I don't care enough to see if Lilith, the big bad in the video game, is behind it all here. I'm giving it a skim it. Hashtag, not my Midnight Suns. (laughs) Okay. Editor's note, check out our show notes for a link to Uncle Joe's story time where he explains the difference between Spirit Rider and the female Ghost Rider. I did I did kind of I did like the fact that like everyone was seeing the visions except Wolverine. Yeah. So he had no idea why he was there either. And they're just like, come on, Wolverine, we need you. Right. We got you on the cover, so this book will sell. So (laughs) I I, I hate this crap. 
Um, yeah, you know what? This was fine. It, it's whatever. Um, it, I, I understand all of the myriad reasons that they did it. Um, but the fact that it's spelled Midnight Suns with a U and not Midnight Suns with an O just like like does something weird to my brain. There's a disconnect yeah, uh, because the original was called Midnight S-O-N-S, right. Midnight Suns. They were like a gang, you know? Well, because they were also all dudes. Yeah. Like, I'm not holding that against the book. It's just something weird that happens in my brain. But um, yeah, I don't know. Video game tie-in. It's it's fine. The art's fine. Whatever. It's fine. It's a skim it. But also, I agree. Like, give me a team with Blade, Ghost Rider, Johnny. Yeah. Just go with what you got. You know, and, and like I don't need like Blade's like, not getting I a movie. It's not like Ghost Rider isn't getting something that's coming up too. People are fired up. Come on. And I think you could even have magic in there. It makes sense for magic to be sure, on that. Whatever. Team. Fine. Um, but like I definitely don't need Wolverine and I don't need friggin' Iron Man who doesn't show up in the comic, but like I yeah, I, I don't know. Um God bless you, Spirit Rider, but don't act like we all know, Marvel. Just don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, like it's just like Marvel. Please put in editor's notes, right? So that we know who these characters are, and we don't have to make are... stupid YouTube videos. About it. <laughs> yeah, you know. If you wish Star Trek was more like a workplace comedy show, well, good news. It's time for Star Trek Lower Decks number one from IDW. It's written by Ryan North with art by Chris Fanoglio. Here's your solicit. The hit Paramount Plus animated series makes its comics debut with the Eisner winning comics writer Ryan North. You know him from Unbeatable Squirrel Girl at the helm. Soon after leading her crew on a planetary expedition aimed at building bridges and advancing Federation technology, Captain Freeman begins to suspect that the planet and its people are not all what they seem. Meanwhile, the crew in the lower decks take to the holodeck, enjoying some much-needed recreational time, until a bloodthirsty visitor decides to join in on their games. The first comic based on the Paramount Plus animated series is here, and I wasn't even looking for it. I haven't really seen the show beyond the first episode. I know I keep saying I will, and Frank Cirillo keeps telling us we need to, it's but great. I haven't done it. It's totally great. I've seen the whole know, first season. I it's know. great. I know. But... Ryan North's name caught my eye. I was not disappointed. North's script takes the crew of the Cerritos on an adventure that calls back to every generation of Trek that came before. Plus, it features one of my favorite conceits from the next generation, the holodeck episode. Oh, yeah. North is perfect for this kind of story. The dialogue is hilarious, and even his trademark footnotes had me rolling. But it's not... <laughs> there's, one <laughs> there's one footnote. And I'm not going to tell you what it is, but they make a joke about um, how the one guy only wants to do like Captain Picard's holodeck programs. He only wants to do like Detective Dixon Hill or, or right, whatever. Right. But it's not all jokes. Lower Decks embraces Star Trek history with a true fondness and it has fun with it without making fun of it. The art by Chris Fanoglio is perfectly in line with the show, and that style lends itself really well to comics. Now, there are some animated shows with art styles that look um, a little bit off yeah. when translated one for one to the page. Looking at you, Star Trek, the animated series. But this is not one of them. I picked Star Trek Lower Decks number one on a whim just to pat out my list for this week. I ended up having a ton of fun. I loved it. It's hilarious from start to finish, especially for fans of old school Trek lore. I'm giving this a buy it. Yeah, the show is very good. 
And Ryan North is a very talented creator, and he was smart enough to just say, we don't need to do anything different, but we also don't need to completely ape the show. Let's just get the spirit of the show and have fun with it. And it's great. It looks good. If you like the show, you will like this. I mean, I really don't have a lot more to say about it. Buy it. This was great. In terms of comic books, Ryan North has written few things, right? He's written... But they've all been big. Yeah. Squirrel Girl, yeah, Adventure Time. Like the dude's got an Eisner. <laughs> I'll tell but, you like, but also, Ryan North is one of the most famous cartoonists on the planet Earth. Yeah. And that's hard. That might be uh, something that most like old school comic guys don't really know. Uh, Dinosaur Comics is his baby. And he's also done a ton of successful like. Um, adventure did, Time. Like, uh, that's another uh, cartoon uh, he did, comic like, a, book. A Hamlet, a Hamlet, Choose Your Own Adventure uh like thing that was a hugely successful like franchise but i love that he's how he's a big enough name that everybody just lets him do his shit without question like there are ryan north footnotes in every comic ryan north has ever written oh yeah i mean you know which is not a thing that you find in comic books you know what you're getting when you hire yeah i love it Well, if we didn't get enough dick and fart jokes out of Star Trek, don't worry. We've got them here in Masquerade, number one from Dark Horse. It's $3.99. It's written by Kevin Smith and Andy McElfresh with art by John Springlemeyer. Here is your solicit. Yeah, it's your favorite creative team of the week. Uh, I love their names. Felicia Dance is hiding in plain sight. The provocative social media star and shock TV sensation has one of the most recognizable faces in the world. So she can't capture and kill the butchers who murdered her little brother and experimented on Felicia like a lab rat when she was a child. That's a lot to just throw in there, but all right. Not unless she looks like someone else. The face of justice is reshaped forever. In Masquerade, an exciting new vigilante comic series from writers Kevin Smith, yada, 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 I read that. This is part of Kevin Smith's new Dark Horse imprint. So there you go. Now, last week, when picking this as my must-read pick of the week, I mentioned that when Kevin Smith wants to write a comic, he can be very good. See his Green Arrow or Daredevil runs for proof. Here, Kevin is working alongside screenwriter Andy McElfresh. And while I'm not going to say that you can definitely pick out Smith's ideas, I would be willing to bet you $1,000 that he came up with the first page where the main character, a gorgeous TV social media star, compares her asshole to her face by showing her butt yeah. on a TikTok uh, analog. I read that page and immediately remembered all the things you said it was, in your pick of the week. Yeah. And I was just like, well, like, here we are. Tear this bandaid off. There. Sorry, man. I don't know what we were expecting. Yeah, sorry, Matt. I'll be Kevin Smithing all day. <laughs> Here we go. The story is interesting enough, and it moves at a very fast pace. It's set in a fairly recognizable East Coast city called Trenton, not Trenton, like the New Jersey city where Smith grew up. No relation, I'm sure. The city is overrun by crime, and the rich get away with murder. The plot is interesting, part human target and part Punisher with some sci-fi elements, but Smith has to get his forced foul mouth dialogue in there too. It's not that I find it offensive. It's just forced. Un- forced is the yes. word. Thank you. It's unnecessary. There are I've writers been trying to find a, that word for, I think two decades. It's just it like go back and watch chasing Amy. Every bit of delivered dialogue in that movie is the most forced dialogue you will ever hear. And it's happening here too. There are writers yes. 
that can wield filth like a rapier. And then there's Smith, who smashes it into his story with a big red plastic wiffle ball bat. The art is pretty good. A little stiff in some panels. It almost reminded me of the animated style of Archer with like hard outlined cartoonish style. Yeah, 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 yeah. It works for this tone of story, which wants to walk the line between serious and black comedy. But with that said, I did not find the black comedy parts funny. There's a solid premise here. I like the art, but just like most of Smith's work, he could benefit I'm just dialing it down a little bit, like maybe 10% and all of his characters might not sound like Kevin Smith doing a solo table read. If you want characters that all sound the same, but don't make butthole jokes, maybe check out some of Bendis' latest Dark Horse work. I can only give this a skimmit. Uh, he needs an editor. Yes. Um, he needs an editor that's not afraid to tell him, hey, Kevin dial it down a notch. Right, there's just no or, reason to do or that. five notches. Um, I can't believe you brought up Chasing Amy because that is 100% the, ex- the example that comes to my mind whenever I think of the point where I started thinking, oh, you know, this dialogue's not good. It's not about being prudish about it because no. I'm not. It's that it does not ring true. Yes. When that's all you hear. Yeah. All, and, I, all like, I can hear is and, Kevin and, Smith. And, like there, and, so, and there are moments in Chasing Amy that I find brilliant and heartfelt and genuine. And then there's everything else. Let's talk about this. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that's what happened here is that this is all of the bad stuff and very little of the good stuff. Yeah. And like, I think the premise is neat. I also think that they kind of gave it away in the solicit, which is a mistake. Even though I suppose you should see it. Coming, I guess they but. didn't go. I didn't know they would go that far with it. And yeah. then, and when they do go that far, no spoilers. But I looked at the panel for a while and I was like, I don't think that would work like that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I, don't know. I don't know if there's enough room under there to do that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, this is a skim. It, it, it's just I, I know that Kevin Smith is capable of better than this when he is. I don't know. I don't know the answer. Um, I don't know if it's an editor or, or it's an what, editor. but like it's an editor. No uh, question. I, I, I know that he's capable of more thoughtful writing than is present here. Uh, uh, having a co-writer doesn't seem to have helped at all. Unless he overpowered the co-writer who had all the good ideas. We don't know. We don't know. Now that we've alienated the huge Kevin Smith-loving portion of our audience, let's wrap things up with the Bone Orchard Mythos, colon, 10,000 Black Feathers, number one. That is a title. It's from Image Comics. It's written by Jeff Lemire. It's got art by Andrea Sorrentino and Dave Stewart. Here's your solicit. From the acclaimed creative team behind Gideon Falls, Primordial, and The Passageway, comes a new series in the bold and ambitious shared horror universe of the Bone Orchard mythos. I don't know what that is. I feel like I've missed something. You don't know the Bone Orchard? I don't know the Bone Orchard. Yeah, it's been going on for a while. It's like when I I didn't know that these were all supposed to be in a shared universe. Yes, this is a thing they've been doing. They've been building all these up and it it like started with the Bone Orchard and went on to other. I think it started with Gideon Falls. Well, Gideon Falls, yeah. The whole overriding thing is the Bone Orchard. So. Okay, well, hey. There you go. I didn't. I've never finished any of those series, which is on me, I guess. Trish and Jackie are best friends and avid gamers. 
uh, which is a weird thing to highlight because they don't really talk about the games in this book. We want to get the kids. We're trying to make them relate to us. Come on. Yeah, right. But when the line between reality and their fantasy world is blurred by an evil darkness, can they be the heroes of their own story? As I said, 10,000 Black Feathers is the newest entry into the Bone Orchard mythos from Lemire and Sorrentino. This universe will feature self-contained graphic novels and limited series about the horrors waiting to be discovered within the Bone Orchard. Sorry, so, I had a little bit of a, I got a little emotional about it. I think they um, are trying to brand this more now. Well, certainly, and that's great. And if there's a way that they all link together, then cool. I, I just, I, I'm, I, I need to go back and finish things. Uh, Trish is returning home after some time away, haunted by horrific events of the past that have yet to be revealed. You can feel the weight of her tremendous grief through Lemire's words, despite not really knowing the full story. But he also does an excellent job conveying the hopefulness of a new friendship, especially one between two young weirdos that happen to find each other in a small town. Trust me, it can be tough. We don't get much of a sense of the impending doom that is to come, but a thick sense of dread looms over every page. Andrea Sorrentino is without a doubt one of the best horror artists working in comics today, one of the best modern comic artists, period. The way he flows between his usual crunchy, shadowy style and the bright and clean world of Trish and Jackie's childhood is incredible. A lot of that heavy lifting is done by legendary colorist Dave Stewart, of course, who swaps between his palette of dark greens and reds and Easter egg pastels seamlessly. As I said, I don't really know what all the Bone Orchard entails. I never finished Gideon Falls or Primordial. I've never even heard of the passageway. What's the passageway? That might be coming. I don't know. Maybe. But 10,000 Black Feathers number one stands on its own as a terrific start to another horror opus by Lemire and Sorrentino. Huge buy it. This was awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know how this all ties together as either. I, I think I maybe love, I'm putting too much emphasis on it because of the solicit. Yeah, I think it might just be the 100% same world. stands on its own. Yes. I think it's just all in the same world. And maybe there are aspects of it very Sandman-like where there's characters that come and go, you know, and, and an overriding force that's controlling things. Gideon Falls is excellent. I have not finished it. Primordial is incredible and so weird. I'm like two issues behind. Need to catch up on that as well. But they do, he, they're doing different types of horror with each of these books. And this one is sort of horror with, without a capital H. It's insinuating what's coming. There's a lot of gloom. There's a lot of personal It's, a, like, it's dread. Yeah. It's a lot of feeling of dread right. and not so much like ooga booga. And I think it's going to be dealing with some type of trauma or something that, that they're going to delve into. But the point being, you have two of the most talented storytellers in comics right now doing what they do best, and that's telling a creepy horror story. This is wonderful. Go pick this up. It's a huge buy. Creepy season. It's time to start reading creepy books. Check out our ludicrous speed round over at twitternerd.com for reviews of more new comics that we read every week. If you want to know more about these comics we just discussed, check out our show notes where you can find links with more info and a whole background and discussion of the differences between the spirit rider and the female ghost rider. We finally figured it out. Also, hit us up on our Discord to give us your thoughts on these comics. Joe Patrick. Spoiler alert. 
the spirit rider is also a female ghost rider. <laughs> Before we, we we go, we get a little deeper than that. But yes, that is true. <laughs> Before we move on, we need to pick one of these comics to enter the THN Private Collection. I think four of them were horror books. There's a good chance it's a horror title. <laughs> well, there's a 50% chance, Matt. That's 50-50. I don't know if those are good odds or bad. Those are good. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the Bone Orchard mythos, colon 10,000 Black Feathers, number one for me. Um, I really, really liked this book. Now, like I also loved Boogeyman, um, but this one felt like something special, right? Where it's like, oh... Like this is another Jeff Lemire right. like sure. world building like maybe not world building building's not the right word, but like another like deep traumatic feel bad yeah. look bad. It's you feel know, bad like, comic booking. Yeah. Yeah, it, I I just thought it was wonderful. It beautiful, wonderful, sad. I can't wait for it to get scary. So I'm gonna give mine to the boogeyman because it was such a Surprise! And I haven't read a lot of a blaze. I want to start paying more attention to that company because I know they're putting out quality stuff. And, yeah. and look, they did the exact, they did exactly what they're supposed to do with the horror book. It, it was scary looking. It was dark. It was really well drawn. It was everything that Midnight Suns wanted to be and was not. <laughs> so well, like, there was no, there was no chance that Midnight Suns was going to be scary. Let's get. Ready. I'm not saying it's going to be scary, but when it's a book called Midnight Suns and you say apocalyptic demons and all this shit, and then you don't do that, it's just a video game tie-in. I don't know if dark is the word I'd use to just get to skim it on this show. After a long review sesh like that, it's nice to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, put on our King of Comics crown and plop down on our Iron Throne replica to speak to our royal mole men subjects, love slaves, and of course, grace the listeners with our must-read picks for next week's new comic book Wednesday, September 21st. Matt, after all that pomp and circumstance, what you reading next week, your highness? I'm going to try and do better this week. I'm picking Stuff of Nightmares, number one from Boom. It's $3.99. It's written by R.L. Stein with art by... A.L. Kaplan. I love that. They're like a gang. Oh my God. You know what? I'm sorry. Every time it's like, every time I see, I hear it's a comic book and it's written by R.L. Stein, I giggle a little bit because it's so weird. I know, right? It's so weird and fun. Here's yeah. your solicit. The premiere issue of a brand new four issue limited comic book series from R.L. Stein, the legendary writer of Fear Street and Goosebumps, who's back with a chilling new take on iconic creatures from horror legends in his first creator owned comic book series with chilling art by A.L. Kaplan who worked on Maw, which is really cute, and Jim Henson's The Storyteller, so you know he's crazy talented. In the premiere of Stein's reanimated reimagining, the monster you encounter isn't the one you thought it'd be. You might be familiar with the classic tale of a mad scientist hell-bent on creating life, but what these two determined brothers have created is something else entirely. Get ready for a darker, more gruesome, and even more terrifying series for horror fans who are ready to face their fears in... Stuff of Nightmares! It's R.L. Stein's take on Frankenstein. He's doing this with a bunch of the Universal Monsters. The Ooh. art looks incredible. Frank Avia is doing the covers for all of them. That guy is insanely talented. I gotta check this out. It's spooky season. I can't stop saying it. <laughs> I'm in. I, I, in fact, you've said it many times already. My pick for next week goes to Vanish, number one from Image Comics. It's $3.99. It's written by Donny Cates. With art by Ryan Stegman, I believe you might call this part of the Kids Love Chains imprint. Here's your solicit. 
from Donny Cates, who's worked on God Country, Hulk, Thor, and Ryan Stegman from Venom, King in Black, and J.P. Meyer, who worked on Absolute Carnage and Fantastic Four, and Sonia Obach, who worked on Amazing Spider-Man, colon, Renew Your Vows, and Han Solo, and John Hill, who worked on Crossover and Harley Quinn. Good lord. <laughs> you know what? Kudos to them for uh, listing everybody, I assume, all the way on down to the letter. Good for them. The all-star creative team that brought you Venom comes an all-new take on the classic hero's quest. Oliver Harrison was a mythical hero who slayed the greatest threat to his realm before even hitting puberty, but that was then. As an adult, Oliver leads an average cookie-cutter suburban life, aside from the fact that he's mentally unstable, massively paranoid, smokes like a chimney, and gets blackout drunk every night to hide from his horrific nightmares. I have a good friend that sounds just like that so yeah <laughs> and i hope they're not like oh man why would you say that <laughs> if they listen to the show i don't know <laughs> uh, will the arrival of a superhero team called the prestige prove the madness isn't all in oliver's head and what about all the epic fantasy crap from his childhood join us for a brutal as hell tale of magical worlds gifted youth evil sorcerers superheroes war blood guts and death that punches you right in the face i don't get it am i supposed to be excited i mean like this sounds this great. doesn't sound exciting <laughs> yeah not at all it sounds like they were really bored when they were talking about it, it. sounds really low-key and chilly to this me this is directly um, from their kids love chains sub stack it's being printed on image now. oh there you go yeah um but yeah, I mean, you you had me at the creative team. Yeah, and uh, I love the I, I love the idea of like this kid who thought he was an adventurer and now is an adult, like kind of like Hook, right? Where he's like, right, you don't understand. You were Peter Pan, and now you're this schlub. And he's like, no, I wasn't. I'm just this dumb dad who probably self medicates too much. Turns out, nope, it's all true. And here are some superheroes at your front door. I lo- I love the whole premise. I I'm very excited to check it out. More importantly, this is like. Donny Cates, who, when he gets a hold of a book like Thor or Hulk or Venom, he goes completely insane. And Marvel's like, yeah, now, you know, it's they have to rein him in a little bit at some point so he doesn't destroy the Marvel Universe. Now he's unchangled. He can do whatever he wants. He's unchangled. (laughs) So bring it on, Donny. This is going to be weird. The THN trade of the week for 921 goes to Bloodstained Teeth, the trade paperback. Volume one, bite me. It's from Image Comments. It's $16.99. It's written by Christian Ward with art by Patrick Reynolds. Here's your solicit. Meet Atticus Sloan, misanthropic criminal, avid vinyl collector, and member of the aristocratic vampire cabal, the Firstborns. For the right price, he'll turn you into a vampire too. After all, immortality isn't cheap. Christian Ward, the Eisner Award-winning co-creator of ODY-C Odyssey, Invisible Kingdom, and Machine Gun Wizards, and Red Hot Artist Patrick Reynolds who works on Nita Haw's Nightmare blog and The Mask, bring you a fast-paced, 100-bullet-style crime saga with fangs. This collects Bloodstained Teeth, number one through five. We reviewed number one. Check the show notes. I'll have a link to that review. We loved it. And it's partially because Patrick Reynolds is a maniac of an artist. Very, very good. There is Um, not another comic book that looks like this on the stands. It's wild. My friend Matt Roberts uh, knows Patrick Reynolds. He lives in Portland. Um, And so, you know, he, you know, 
He lives where the cool kids live. And uh, Patrick Reynolds drew him into the pages of Bloodstained Teeth number five. That's kick ass. That's great. Uh, that is kick ass. That's not why I picked this book. I totally forgot until you read the solicit, but I was like, oh yeah, that's right. Matt's in this. Um, so yeah, shout out to Matt Roberts. He does not listen to the show. I hope he gets killed in the book. Because I would. I'm, I, hope he's, comic, I hope he gets murdered. I want to yeah. get killed, you know? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. You can find links with more info on our picks in our show notes, and we always post our must-read picks on our Discord, Twitter, and Facebook every Wednesday so you can make an informed buying decision at your local comic shop. But let us know what you thought of our picks in the new comics channel of our Discord. Hopefully I did better this week. Before we get out of here, it's time for a sneak peek of our THN Extra. When you support THN on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you will get access to all kinds of extra content just like this. Hey, though, special news to everybody that may have missed out on Cover to Cover this week because of our technical issues. Um, we're going to make this THN Extra available to everyone. You just got to go to Patreon to get it. One dollar was way too expensive, apparently. You jerks. Come on. I mean, a dollar a month. That's, <laughs> a, co- that's a commitment. Welcome to another edition of your THN Extra. This one is for patrons, for the people that pay us to make us love them, and it works. Let me tell you, we it love does. you so well, much we are, You know, here's the thing about love. A lot of people will say, you can't you can't buy me love. This is false. But when it comes to us, you absolutely can. This is false. And it's very reasonably priced. Yeah. It's super cheap, actually, which for is kind of gross. For as little as a dollar a month. Kind of gross. But that's not the point. The point is, we got a new extra segment for you. It's a little thing you might remember. We call it Nerd News. Or is it Nerd at the Movies? Or is it Nerd TV? It's nerd kind news. of a mix of all of them. This is Nerd News. It's breaking news. We just right, waited yeah, a few days enough. to react to it. <laughs> so this is uh, what we're talking about here is the news that came from Saturday's presentation of Lucasfilm and Star Wars at the D23 Expo, uh, which didn't start until after we finished recording our live show on Saturday. So we wanted to so, touch on it, give some instant reactions, yeah, you know. uh, maybe do a little rumor control. You know, little rumor control. I think maybe we should start with some rumor control, don't you? Uh, we can do that. Yeah, things that that did not pop. Henry Cavill is not Captain Britain. Sorry, kids. Well, he might be. <laughs> he, we just don't know yet. Um. So yes, uh, there's a uh, the Hollywood or the Hollywood Reporter, uh, actually put out an article titled "Marvel Disappointed the Rumor Mill at D23," <laughs> uh, because and it, then the subheadline is false scoopers gave fans false hope that actors such as Henry Cavill and Jodie Comer, uh, again, I don't know who Jodie Comer is, I don't think, would be announced as joining the MCU despite these rumors having no apparent basis in reality. None whatsoever. That's my favorite part but of the whole title. But it's hard to know, is that because Marvel leaked stuff? Because we know that they do this. We know they do this. Marvel lies. Yes. yes. They, they will leak news based on things that aren't happening to describe. So with that in mind, it also doesn't mean that these two actors are not doing anything. They just didn't announce oh, yeah, it. No, I, nothing, nothing is for certain until it actually comes out of the mouth of Kevin Feige. Right. So, um, but yeah, so far uh, they, they did not get announced. Um, we also did not get any fantastic forecasting news. It's true. Though we did learn that the new director is Matt, uh, Matthew Shankman, Matt Shankman. Shankman. Yes. Shankman? Well, we'll get to that in a minute when we run down all the Marvel news. Jodie Comer was in Free Guy. 
Killing Eve. Oh, Free Guy, right. Yeah. She was the the main... Um, she was the wife uh, in the last the, duel. The co-lead of... She's, um, she's hot as hell. She's coming up. She was also in... Uh, easy there, buddy. No, I mean like Hollywood hot. I don't mean like she's super oh, okay. sexy. I mean, she's like a hot <laughs> proper. Gotcha. All right. Settle down there. She's one fine filly. Let me tell you. How? <laughs> no, I'm not saying that at all. So let's get into it. Let's just go down. We'll start with Star Wars. Philly, big lord. Because there were some Star Wars uh, trailers that dropped. We got a first look at our girl Ashoka, but we don't know if it's Ashoka or Ahsoka. We've been fighting about that. We, you know, um, neither one of us really watched the Clone Wars, and I'm confused by the presence of the H in between the A and the S. It's not A-S-H, it's A-H-S. So is it Ahsoka or Ashoka? Um, you know, it matters not uh, uh, for this so discussion. Is how we're supposed to say it. There you go. Let's say again. Ahsoka. Ahsoka. So there you go. Um, so we got the first, uh, the first image from Ahsoka. Uh, which, you know, is just an image. Um, we also got trailers, a new trailer for Andor, and the first trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3, which looks so dope. They both look good. Yeah, they both look really good. And I like that we're getting away from Skywalker stuff. We're doing that thing. We're showing us the other stuff we're, that happened. Yeah, we're doing that thing. And Thank you. I think they kind of declared it at the end of man, uh, yeah. the end of book of Boba Fett, where he um, lived happily ever after <laughs> Grogu, Yeah. Like Grogu chooses, you know, like spoilers, I guess yeah. Grogu chooses to abandon his Jedi training to go on adventures with his space dad. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think we're just going to get, but it's like, it, it looks like um, Mando and, and the army of, Mandalorians that think he's in a weird cult. You know, they're like, oh yeah, you can't take off your helmet. What are you, some kind of religious weirdo? Well, I think <laughs> he, he is in the weirdo cult. Because think about all the he other- is in the weirdo cult. And then he got kicked out. He yeah. got kicked out because he took his helmet off. All the other Mandalorians we met were just like, no, it's not a big deal, dude. We take our helmets off yeah, all yeah. the time. Excelsior. Oh. That is it for THN 679. Next week, the Cosmic Longbox returns. I have a feeling- Got something spooky in mind that I haven't told Joe Patrick about yet. <laughs> Great. If you want to rap about this week's episode, comics you're reading, or any of the weekly nerdy news that we are following, hit us up on our live call in show. It's called THN Cover to Cover. It happens on Saturdays at 10:30 Central. You can watch the broadcast live on our Facebook page. If you want to play along, you got to join our Discord. And there, you can learn how to chat or talk with us live on the show. We even give you something to talk about called the question of the week. This week's question comes from Frank Cirillo, courtesy of our Discord. I heard Matt mention Charles Vess, and I thought how beautiful his art is, which leads me to wonder whose art is too beautiful for comics. Not to say that they shouldn't be drawing comics or, or, or anything like that. It's just that their art was so far and above the average artist doing house-style comics that seeing them in comics is a surprise. I love it. I love it. Right, we take it right off page and put it on the museum wall. Yep, so which comic book artist's work is too beautiful for comics? Please keep your question of the week suggestions coming, just like Frank did. Uh, we will not be doing cover to cover this week. We've got some personal stuff going on. Uh, we apologize. We'll be back at it again next week. If you can't make it to cover to cover live, shoot an mp3 to 2 at a nerd at gmail.com or leave a message on the THN hotline. The number is 402 
819-4894 and you could be internet famous. Uh, remember, please keep your recorded messages on the shorter side so that we can share the air with the live callers. And uh, you've got an extra week to think about this one. So come up with your best fine comic artist. If you're new to this show and you would rather dox us on Twitter for making fun of your buddy Kevin Smith, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough of the good news. Everybody it's, already knows where we live. You can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at twoheadednerd.com. THN is a listener-supported podcast. At least it was until we started making fun of Kevin Smith, and it would not be possible oh my gosh, without the it. generosity of donors like our patron Amy from North Dakota. It's ND, but we assume it's North Dakota. I don't know where else it could possibly be unless she's some type of Nederlander. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Netherlands? Is that ND, Netherlands? Right. Oh. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash 2 nerd. You can find that link all over our stuff, too, so don't worry about it. Where you will hear all kinds of exclusive content like our nerd news segment we're pumping out this week. Or you can just make a one-time donation for the hell of it via PayPal. Maybe you're trying to get that, get into heaven. Maybe you're because you dead. also hate Kevin Smith. <laughs> we don't hate him. We just wish I he, don't hate Kevin Smith. We just wish he dial it back. I love Kevin Smith, which is the problem. If I hated Kevin Smith, I wouldn't be so if upset anything, about. I'm jealous. He led the ultimate nerd life. You know, I mean, come on. He did, and you know what? I love the guy, and I'm so happy about like his new lease on life and all, all that stuff that he's got going on. Good for him. Not going to see Before Flash we, Three. Not doing it. <laughs> I'll see it when it comes. <laughs> no you know, when it's on on demand. Whatever. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to the animators of the 36 shows removed from HBO Max this past August. If you think your job sucks, get on Twitter and read about these poor schlubs and the surprise they got when their shows were removed from the platform with no warning whatsoever. Where do you guys and hey... At uh, least you and Batgirl have something to talk about. Well, there's that. You know, if you bump into each other at the water cooler. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Until next mm. time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might just remove you from your LCS without warning. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off.